world's becoming a dangerous place for us women. Lipstick Bodyguard looks just like an innocent little lipstick, but it'll instantly drop any attacker to his knees so you can get away unharmed. Lipstick Bodyguard. Fear no evil. Get yours today only at LipstickBodyguard.com. Broadcasting from behind the Second Amendment Iron Curtain, in the shadows of the New York City skyline, this is Gun For Hire Radio, the voice of one million New Jersey gun owners, with your hosts, Sandy Berardi and Master Firearms Trainer, Anthony Calandra. Live from the land of freedom for God, he will listen to Second Amendment broadcast in the nation. Welcome to it. So, this is episode 430, and uh, we have a special guest. He's going to be on for the whole show, because if he speaks the way he writes in the emails that he sends out to us 2A fighters like Scott Bach and myself, this is going to be a very interesting show. If not... We're going to put it on the cutting room floor, and we're going to go back to the show where we had... What was that exotic stripper that was here on the show, Sandy? The yeah, one that you left with? I forgot yeah, her we, name. Uh, call yeah, me into that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let's talk about Nick Testaccio. Testaccio. Nick Testaccio. He's a veteran. Thank you for your service. You're welcome. Father what, what branch of, were you in, Nick? I was in the Navy. Oh, God good man. He's a veteran. Father of two sons. He has two grandsons. He spent 30 years working in Wall Street as an analyst, trader, and a broker. Damn. He also spent a couple years working in a shop that had several state contracts. I worked with police, helping them acquire the proper equipment for the job. He's written numerous articles on the right to keep and bear arms, which I've read them all. But the article that I first received recognition for was an article on the income tax. It was published and apparently made it to at least one radio station. I received a call about my article, and from there I met a number of lawyers and researchers. Through them I met Dr. Edwin Vieira, Jr., who has been sort of a mentor. I'm also a survivor of a violent attack that put me in intensive care, and I had a brain injury that affects memory and caused damage to my right eye. What was that attack about, Nick? Welcome, by the way. Thank you. Thank you very much, Anthony, and thanks for having me on the show. Um, uh, what happened was I was coming home late at night. It was about 2 o'clock in, in the morning. Uh, and I had uh, my youngest son on my mind because he was about to uh, go over to uh, the Middle East. And he asked me, they had a, they had a brand new boy. And I told him before that uh, uh, this is Thomas's 10th birthday today. Uh, so they had this brand new boy. And he said, listen, Dad, we need somebody to take care of him. He said, you know, do you have any suggestions? I had this on my mind, and while I'm walking along, not paying attention to anything, I happen to hear behind me some footsteps running up on me. So I, I turned around, and I really wasn't cognizant of what was going around, uh, what was going on, and I see this uh, rather large person, and he stopped, and he looked at me, and then he realized I had no clue as to what was going on. Mm-hmm. So... I, he raised his uh, his fist, and I said, "Oh shit!" And I I had a bag with me. I put the bag up to to block it, and I never saw the, the him hit me or anything. The next thing I knew, I was about ten feet to the right of where I had been standing. Uh, I was lying on the ground. I was just waking up, and there was this one guy over me uh, punching my face. I didn't feel anything, and another guy came along and started pun- punching my face. Um, I got up, 
and I walked to the house. My son and his girlfriend were there. And uh, I opened the door and I called him, Travis. And he said, uh, he came up and he said, holy crap, I was covered with blood. I'm sure. And um, so the police came, the EMTs, and uh, they looked at me and they said, uh, you know, what they hit you with? I said, the fist. I, and they said, no, you can't get wounds like that uh, by getting hit with a fist. They had it hit you with a bat or a pipe. I said, I didn't see anything. All I know is I, I told them the story, and they said, and you walked up? You got up and walked from where? Oh. I said, yeah. And they were clueless as to how, so how's he even talking? You know, so they took me to the hospital, and the uh, doctors came in, and they said, uh, what'd they hit you with? I <laughs> said, again, a, a fist. And they said, no, yeah, it's got to be either a bat or a a pipe or something, you just can't get injuries like that. And uh, long and short of it all was I had blood on the brain, I had damage uh, to the right eye. Thankfully, uh, the retina wasn't detached. Uh, they were afraid that it would detach. Uh, but uh, it, it recovered. Uh, I spent about seven weeks on disability. And I went back to work. Like nothing. Were happened. you robbed too? Was that the point? Yeah, they, uh, okay. you know, I didn't have much money. I never keep much money in my pocket. I had maybe forty bucks with me. And they and beat the crap out of you for forty bucks. Yeah, oh, they would have taken it for, for a dollar. It doesn't yeah. really matter. Yeah, it, it didn't matter. And apparently, uh, this had been going on for quite some time in the era I was living in Edison. Uh, they had about fifteen of these attacks, but wow. nobody knew about it because they were covering it up. Yeah, that's great. Wow. So what made you get involved in Second Amendment uh, activism the way you are after that article? You talk about all of these talking points you have here, which I want you to hit all of these talking points. This sure. whole show is for you. If you guys don't know who Nick is, you you we'll, we'll, we'll post more stuff on Gun For Hire Radio by him. But uh, he's very well written, very thorough. I've seen numerous responses from Scott Bach and, and other people. I was telling Nick before we did the show, it's so the first time we met face-to-face, -face, and... Uh, he, uh, a lot of his emails he sent me are a little, a little over my head because he does a lot of re <laughs> well, no, you do a lot of research. Yeah, yeah. That analyst and uh, you know background that you have, where you know I'm more topographical and my bully pulpit. You know we're gonna get red flag laws. You're all gonna go to prison. Your friends gonna be boom, and I'm done in a minute. <laughs> he writes. You know what I'll do is I'll take stuff he writes. I'll take thirty paragraphs and I condense it into a one minute rant. <laughs> okay, which might not be as thorough, but it's effective because, you know, most Americans can't pay attention more than a minute uh, and focus on anything. But you just write so professional. So let's let's talk about some of the stuff. Like one of your talking points is the individual right theory and how it is destroying any chance of reser uh, of preserving the right to keep and bear arms. Tell sure. us, tell us, Mr. Uh, Constitutionalist. <laughs> All right. Well, first of all, you have to understand what the Second Amendment uh, says. Uh, it says a well-regulated militia being necessary for the security, you know, a free state. But why did they put that there? Well, they wanted to tell the public officials, look, you need to go back and look at the Constitution and speak to it and evaluate it the way that we wrote it. We the people wrote the Constitution, and as uh, Justice, Justice Story said, you know, the people have spoken, whatever they say is the rule of law, it's not for us to diminish it or expand it, 
so that we could speak to some party or some agenda that we have. It's the word of the people, and that's it. So the actual intention of the Second Amendment was to make sure that public officials would adhere to the Constitution. It doesn't actually say we have an individual right, and the reason I say that is because you have to take the entire set of rules that the, that the founders put down for us. You go back to the Declaration of Independence, and what did they say? Well, this is a government that was created by the people, and the people are the ones who control everything, essentially. And I'm put to, putting this in very simple terms because as, as so you I said, can understand <laughs> sometimes oh. I, I, I write and you know people, uh, my oldest son has, has actually said to me dad will you stop saying words that people just don't understand because, <laughs> because you're not making it across uh, to them so uh, <laughs> essentially uh, this is a, a nation of popular sovereignty which seems to be above the head of most people True. The What the founders did was they said, look, this needs to be a nation unique of everything else because the people of the world, all they, all they know is tyranny. Mm-hmm. Correct. Right? Right. And we want something different. We, we don't want to be beholding to some monarch who, you know, has uh, people uh, bowing and scraping to him. We want a people of sovereigns. Okay. They're going to control anything. So the Thomas Jefferson wrote the seminal document on the relationship of uh, uh, governing body to the people and the people who create that governing body. With that, well, we're not going to go through the war or the revolution or anything, but they got to the uh, to writing of the Constitution and he said, well, how are we going to do this? Uh, they didn't know what a Congress would be. Uh, they didn't know what a president would be, so they had to write out all the rules, and they debated all of this stuff. And uh, like I was telling you before, Sandy, there's the Federalist. There was Madison, uh, Jay, and Hamilton, and they wrote out these uh, these papers explaining to the people, well, this is what how we would like it to work. This is all the information that we're putting in the Constitution. This is what it means based on what all the representatives who came to this delegation uh, have debated. And this is essentially what we're going to do with the Constitution. On the other side of that, there were the anti-federalists who said, look, there are flaws in this document, right? And here are the flaws. One of the, one of the things that uh, the anti-federalists were most concerned with was the judiciary, because uh, I, be, I believe it was Robert Yates said, look, if you give these people all the power that's in the Constitution, what they're going to do is they're going to take that document, they're going to interpret it away, and they're going to centralize everything to, this, mm-hmm. uh, to the federal government. We Which is don't the want way that. It was- I mean, historically, has it wasn't it that way in just about every government? Some sort of central power, and the power, whether it was the the monarch or whether it was the appointed, you know, uh, a government, you know, the go, the monarch, monarch emperor, emperor, whatever, whatever the case may be. Yeah, it, it it was always like that, and you know, we didn't we didn't go to war for all those years. We didn't break away from Great 
Britain to have the same form of government. Right. Uh, It it just wasn't logical. By By the way, whatever anybody tells you, this was the group, this was the most intense, knowledgeable group a political geniuses yeah, the yeah. world has ever seen. Oh, without a doubt. Absolutely. You know, without absolutely. a doubt. They were so well read. They were so articulate. They studied Rome, ancient Rome, the ancient Greece. That You can read their writings and, and look back and say, my God, these people. Did. It wasn't a willy-nilly sort of a thing. Right. Not like this radio show. <laughs> yeah, not, not exactly. like this radio show. Yeah, exactly. Sort of winging it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So that's, yeah, that's yeah, kind to win. <laughs> so you had all these brilliant minds. Patrick Henry, who was, but b- by the way, was one of the most skeptical people in the world, and he he's the one really uh, be, uh, pushed for the Bill of Rights. Besides what you know, they they credit Madison with that, but it was really uh, Henry who who pushed the Bill of Rights and wanted something in there and said, "Look, I don't care what that document says." There are going to be people coming down the line and say, no, it doesn't say that. We think it says this. Okay, but we just spent months debating what this thing says. So I'm telling you, this is this is it. Let's write so, this for somebody named Nancy Pelosi, <laughs> who we don't know who it is, but she's coming down the line. We know it. We exactly. feel it. Well, uh, I don't know if you know Henry's background, but he was really a person who engaged himself in the understanding of people's characters. Uh, he learned a lot of this from listening to uh, people from the, from the pulpit. He would uh, go to church uh, with his mother, and on the way back from the church, his mother would make him repeat what the uh, the pastor uh, would say up on, on the pulpit. So in doing this, he really got a good understanding of who people were, and a lot of it came from the Bible, obviously. Mm-hmm. So he said, look, we've got to have a Bill of Rights, all right? So they put together excuse me, a bunch of uh, amendments, and they came up with uh, 12 of them, and they passed 10, 10 of them, of which the Second Amendment was part of that. And again, the purpose in the entire uh, document of the Bill of Rights was to make sure that these people we were talking about would not come down the line and said, hey, this means something other than it does. So when you go into court and you, you use an argument that's contrary to what the founders actually told us it meant, what is the court going to say to you? Well, we don't actually think it, it means that. It can mean this, as they often do. If you look at the uh, uh, our ten round magazine ban, we went into court, and the uh, I forget the name of the judge who uh, presided in the district said, "Well, give me some statistics." Well, what the hell does statistics right have to, have do? to do with the Constitution? Yeah. yeah, it has nothing at all to do with with, with the law. Legislating yeah. from the bench, we see it all too often today. That, that's right. And by the way, we have a uh, justice on the uh, Supreme Court, Sotomayor, who said, you know, everybody knows that uh, justices legislate from from the bench. Mm-hmm. By the way, she should have been, uh, you know, yeah, as soon as that, she said that, that's it, you're out. Yeah. yeah. Goodbye. Thank you very well, much for your time. What do you think about the five senators filing a brief on the New York State rifle and pistol case telling them that warning the court that if they don't rule in their favor on the gun cases, they're going to redo the makeup of the court? Uh, yeah, I'm... 
kind of uh, I I don't understand where they're coming from on that because the uh, if you look at Article Three of the Constitution, it's the court that uh, themselves that make up the rules as to how the court operates. It's not within the purview of the con- uh, Congress or the executive to make such legislation. This isn't the first time that this has been done, though. Uh, under F- FDR, mm-hmm. we tried to push Social Security Absolutely. and the NRA. And the New not, Deal, the National right. Recovery Act. And yes. they ca- the courts, you can't do this. You don't have any authority to do anything like this. And he turned around and he said, listen, if you don't come about on this, I'm going to stack the court. Well, uh, again, back then the court should have said, uh, excuse me, but you don't have any authority to do that, so goodbye. Uh, it Again, this all depends on who's going to stand up for uh, the court's authority, the Congress's authority, Mm -hmm. and the authority in general. How does this whole, I'm going to call it enigma of the United States, which is supposed to be a constitutional federal federal republic, actually work? And I'm going to go from the individual right here to the uh, collective right, which is what we actually should be looking at. Because Article 1, Section 8, Clause 15 and 16 tell us that it's the people, armed, organized, armed, and disciplined, who have the authority to execute the laws of the Union, suppress insurrections, and repel invasions. So we've lost all of that. We We surrendered it all. We we surrendered it. Not only that, but we have people in the Second Amendment community who disparage it. It's clearly stated in the Constitution. It's never been. uh, It's never been changed. Uh, As a matter of fact, when they wrote Clause 15 and 16, they didn't really need to debate it because the people who were the framers of the Constitution, they knew it. They were participants in the militia. Right, right. More than likely, most of them participated because back then it was mandatory service. Yes. Right. So anybody from the it could have been sixteen to sixty, depending on the on the colonies uh, that you were in. I think it was up to sixteen, Massachusetts. You're out, Sandy. That was good. You went and got picked. Go ahead. Oh no! Hold hold on a second. <laughs> hold on. I, at the end of this, I want to uh, tell you a story about Sam Samuel Whitmore. And and you know, the life expectancy happened to be about. 39 at that yeah. point, so <laughs> they, they covered it. So even you would qualify then under that father time. But oh. it, it's uh, interesting that uh, from April uh, 19, 1775, there were a lot of men who were, were past the age of maturity yeah. Yeah. who came out with their muskets, yeah, absolutely. rifles, whatever they happen to have, and said, listen, I'm here. Just like today. <laughs> I'd show up today. I got nothing to lose. I got everything to gain. Oh, well, that's different. Rallies are different. Everybody says they're going to fight, but nobody can go to a rally. (laughs) You know, that's a very good point. Because I've been been telling people for years, look, you want to win this thing, this is what needs to be done. But you're going to have to participate. You are actually going to have to participate. In other words... Not from your computer only? That's right. Wow. Uh, in other words... <laughs> good, good luck with that. We're done. Four to six times a year, you're actually going to have to go out and train with your firearm. 
right? And by the, by the way, from a, uh, a business standpoint, I don't know why any business who's in the firearms industry wouldn't be all in for this because what are you going to be doing? Your client base is going to be expanding exponentially. If we I like that. Keep your head on. tell you about my friend Katie. Katie is a nurse and she was attacked on her way home from work. She was totally taken by surprise and although Katie is only five feet tall and 106 pounds, she was easily able to drop her six foot four, 250 pound attacker to his knees and get away unharmed. Katie wasn't just lucky that day, she was prepared. In her pocketbook, a harmless looking lipstick, which really contained a powerful man-stopping aerosol propellant. It's not like it was in our grandmother's day. Today, just going to and from work or to the mall can have tragic consequences. The FBI says a violent crime is committed every 15 seconds in the United States, and a forcible rape happens every five minutes. And chances are, when something happens, no one will be around to help. It looks just like a lipstick, so no one will suspect a thing which is important since experts say getting the jump on your attacker is all about the element of surprise. Inside this innocent looking lipstick is the same powerful stuff used by police and the military to disarm even the most powerful armed aggressor. In fact, National Park Rangers use the very same formula that's inside this little lipstick to stop 2,000 pound vicious grizzly bears dead in their tracks. It's like carrying a personal bodyguard with you in your purse or your pocket. Darkness brings danger. Muggers and rapists use darkness to their advantage. We all know what it's like to be walking at night and hear footsteps coming at us from behind. Who's there? If it's somebody bad, will you be protected? Your life may depend on it. My friend Katie's close call needs to be a wake-up call for all of us, myself included. Pick up a lipstick bodyguard and keep it with you always. becoming a dangerous place for us women. Lipstick Bodyguard looks just like an innocent little lipstick, but it'll instantly drop any attacker to his knees so you can get away unharmed. And what better way to say I love you than giving the ones you love a gift to keep them safe? Lipstick Bodyguard. It looks just like a beautiful little lipstick, but just like a beautiful woman, it has the power to bring a grown man to his knees. Lipstick Bodyguard. Fear no evil. Get yours today only at LipstickBodyguard.com. Just follow the link on the GunForHireRadio.com homepage. I'm learning, Sue. Let's talk about this before we get back to Nick. He's uh, pretty well read, pretty intelligent. We're going to go over a lot of other stuff. Um, so with those five senators sending a brief telling the Supreme Court what they should do, you know, the Supreme Court has already granted cert to the New York State Rifle and Pistol case, but they're trying to get it mooted. Uh, that's what's going on now. And they're still holding our Rogers case and the Massachusetts Gould case, concealed carry. We have no idea what's going on with the court right now, but the only problem I have is with uh, Chief Justice, Justice Roberts, because uh, 
he's concerned about his legacy and he mm -hmm. tends to get political like he mm -hmm. did with Obamacare. Yeah. So uh, hopefully uh, Thomas, Kavanaugh, and uh, what was the other new? Gorsuch. Hopefully they have some influence on the court and uh, we get these cases heard. But I will tell you this. This is the closest we've been in my life. Uh, for some kind of relief for New Jersey. And I wanted to say that, and I want to get back uh, to Nick now. I think Nick and Jay Factor would be a phenomenal, like, do a two-show yeah. show. I think you would, you guys would really be great. Um, you know, Jay Factor is reading books that came over on the Mayflower. Yeah, true. Uh, I'm not kidding. Yeah, not and really uh, he brings them here, <laughs> leather-bound books that if his wife knew how much he paid for them, oh, he'd be geez. sleeping oh, on a bedroll in the studio. <laughs> you shouldn't have just said that. You shouldn't have added him like that. Sorry, Jay. And he, if he puts me in a headlock, I am D-E-A-D -E oh, no. dead. Uh, absolutely. Uh, so, so, Nick, the next two episodes, the next two um, segments are yours. I want you to continue talking because everybody that's listening to the show, this would be a great show to share with the, you know, kids, teenagers and stuff and let them understand a little bit about the workings of our government. Now, I liked Thomas Paine. What's your opinion of Thomas Paine? Well, Thomas Paine is one of the men who's really uh, considered the, uh, uh, the forefront of the uh, revolution. Uh, he was a shit starer, right? Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. he was. Uh, not only <laughs> that's here, why I like him. Not only here, but I don't know if you know this. He wound up in in jail. In, yes, in, in Europe. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to end up in jail in Europe too. So go ahead. <laughs> but uh, well, he, he wrote the book uh, Common Sense, and, yes. if you, and if you read it, it is filled with, yes. with common sense. Look, if you want to do this, you have to do that. It is essentially what he he's going along and saying. But what one of the most poignant things. He says in, in the book is, if there's going to be trouble, let it be in my time so that my child doesn't have to endure Correct. and live a peaceful life. Which is important. By the way, you asked me, why did I get involved in this? I started training my two boys from when they were two or three years old in uh, martial arts and uh, firearms. By the time they were seven, eight years old... They were already shooting center fire handguns, right? Because I knew that somewhere down the road, the way things were, were going, that it, it was going to get pretty bad. Um, actually, I think they were a little, were a little ahead of the schedule uh, yeah. in the bad mm -hmm. part. Yes, I think so. You know, but I wanted them to be prepared. My youngest son, uh, John Vince, is now a, uh, a New York City police officer. Uh, policeman but he, he was in he was in the navy also he joined to be a navy navy seal uh and um uh he, he went on for uh from there he's he's still in the reserves but he spent about six years on active duty until he actually got disgusted w with the uh with the military the way the way it was going he said but yeah, you know it's what not the same military we no. were in he said you know what i put all these years so i'll, I'll put the rest of it in reserve time He's a New York City cop now, and my o my oldest son he has two disciplines in, uh, in 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 martial arts, and he more than the youngest one is in tune with what I'm uh, uh, talking about, and I, I I hope that you you know they would would carry on to a, a certain degree. I don't know if they're going to be able uh, to do that, but uh, you know I uh, so this is. A big part of the reason why I do this stuff, why I get aggravated with people in the Second Amendment community and scream and shout about, look, you're bringing the wrong cases. Please, I'll even 
help you. I'll write, I'll write the briefs, whatever you want me to do. But you're bringing him in incorrectly. But we have egos. Gonna... See, yeah, we have egos. Like like J Factor right. and Mark Cheeseman. In their case, was criticized by other two A lawyers. And you know, every what happens is every case is every counsel's baby, and everybody wants to go to the Supreme right. Court. Right. So. Egos abound everywhere within the two A groups, within every group, and and we see it, you know, uh, hyper focused on it all the time. But you know, it's my case is good, Nick. Your case is no good, so we're pushing this case, you know. And I, I'm I'm all for you know everybody's case, and let's just keep lobbing them in there and let's see what sticks, so to speak. But well, yeah, it, uh, here's the problem: we shouldn't be fighting each other. No, we shouldn't be fighting each other. But here's the problem with. Every case they bring based on the Second Amendment, they make bad case law. Going yeah, back right. to what you're to right. what we did with allowing the court to tell us, bring in some experts to tell us right. what you know, uh, what the shooting rates are, who's better at shooting, and it doesn't matter. And let's regulate this end and that end and this part and You're that right, it part. doesn't matter. It should just be following the Constitution. That's right. it. Right. You know, you go and you walk in, the, in there and you say, hey, the Constitution specifically says it is the people, when they are the militia, who have the authority to execute the laws of the Union, period. It doesn't say you get to create the FBI, the DHS, or anything right, like that. Right. And by, by the way, we already have those uh, you know agencies in place. They would be have to be incorporated under the militia. And what does this give us? This gives us the people the authority over these agencies. So mm -hmm. if they do screw up, what happens? They're court-martialed. Two, three days, everything's investigated, and we say, look, this is what and we did. And then firing squad. <laughs> <laughs> I know you would be in tune for that. No. You know? <laughs> but, uh, look, you, you know, we, uh, you know, people nowadays are just saying, well, we have to have a grand jury for this, we have to have a grand jury for that. That's all well and good, but people don't even know what compromise, uh, what uh, constitutes a grand, jury. a grand jury. I've been before. I've been un investigated by grand juries already twice now, so Did I know. And you can Evan Knappen jokes that you can uh, indict a ham sandwich yes. a, in a grand yeah, jury. Right. Yeah, he got that yeah. from uh, Larry Beecraft, yes. who was a friend of mine. Yes. Uh, so, uh, Larry actually said that in a, in a tax case. He told the <laughs> jury. <laughs> uh, <laughs> in any well, by the way, the grand jury we have nowadays is not the grand jury that. Uh, uh, was intended. The grand jury was supposed to be a body of the people. Up until about the 50s, maybe early 60s, you can walk down to the courthouse and you could see their office of the grand juror, right? Hmm. And the guy who ran the gr grand jury was there, but it wasn't run by prosecutors. It wasn't a rubber stamp for prosecutors. It was the people. And there are a couple of court cases that actually speak to this. I can't remember them off the top of my head, but slacker. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you you would bring a case. You could bring a case before the grand jury. You'd walk into the office and say, "Look, this is what happened to me." And you know they'd look at it and they'd investigate everything. They bring in witnesses and whatnot, and they tell them, uh, "Deuces, take them, bring all your papers." 
and let's see what's going on here. And as they investigated, they would come to some conclusion. Hey, this is an actual crime. Sometimes it wouldn't even be a matter of, look, this has got to go to a jury. They'd say, all right, you're right. You have been offended. You have been harmed. But Sandy over there is willing to, look, I'm going to give you back your money. Put it, your money, whatever Product was. or service right. that you feel slighted with, yes. Right. And you're going to say... Great. I've received my just compensation. That's it. And it would go no further. There's hmm. no reason for the state to be involved in this. As a matter of fact, if you read any of the constitution. A lot of payrolls. Yeah, that, uh, that's true. If you read the U- U.S. Constitution and the any of the colonial, uh, the original 13 state constitutions, there's no authority for the state to prosecute anyone. Everything was in the hands of the people. And again, back to the militia. Because if you had the militia, the state couldn't say, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. Yeah, okay, fine. You just sit down and we'll tell you what you're going to do because the people held the arms. The militia. Right. You know, after, uh, after the ratification, of course, it became 18 to 45. But you enrolled in the militia and you performed your duty. So you had a sheriff, you had a marshal, who's uh, something akin to the the county commander for the militia. And if something went wrong, you'd go, hey, Sandy, Anthony, Nick, let's go. We have an issue here. We're going to rectify it, whatever it happened to be. Uh, And by the way... Would that be from like a law enforcement perspective yeah you're going you're going you just go and take care of it Uh, joe blow is right killing people's cows right and we just go and go talk to joe whatever the case may be you'd show up at joe's place with a musket (laughs) (laughs) actually the uh uh, for the most part militia had better arms than the military did when on uh april 19th on uh on the green in lexington they actually had rifles so for the most part, whereas the hmm. uh, 700 uh, regulars of the British, they had muskets which shoot, would shoot all over the place. Yeah, smoothbore. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so you, the state was never granted any authority to uh, prosecute anyone. All this was in in the hands of the people, and for a time it worked very well. Up until about the, I don't know, 1820s or 1830s, people didn't want to be bothered anymore. The state Was there something that changed at that point? I mean, could you, is there some sort of a tipping point? or? or? I'm, I'm not sure. I've never come across anything. Maybe uh, your friend Jay knows something about it, but I'm We're not gonna sure. We're going to have them both on the show. The uh, that might have uh, that might have changed. swayed it or changed it. Yeah, it, I, it, it may it may just have uh, been that uh, you know we were involved in in the expansion of the United States and and generally people wanted to be left alone. You know they wanted to uh, till the soil, and mm-hmm. grow their crops, or raise cattle, whatever they had. Let someone else do it, so I don't have to. Right. Yeah. Right, which is essentially the attitude that everybody has nowadays. You mm-hmm. know, course, yeah. Everybody's going to yell. When some's, when there's a problem, everybody's going to yell and scream, where are the police? Where is the emergency right. services? Right. Where is, yes. If you have a militia, 
the intention is that at least the able-bodied men are going to be able to perform some of those duties. Right. You're going to be trained in CPR. You're going to be trained for uh, maybe uh, what to do with a broken arm or whatever the case may be. We're going to fill all those positions. And, again, the regular people perform those jobs. They're not going to be put out of work. They're going to be part of the militia. They're going to be answering to that structure, which is controlled by you, me, uh, and the regular military-type structure. Because even in the militia, they had commanders, lieutenants, uh, sergeants, corporals, and whatnot. We've squandered all this away over the years. We've gotten so fat and lazy in this country. We've allowed the government to take over every aspect of right. our lives. That, that's and, right. And it's been by design since Jimmy Carter was mm-hmm. coined the first responder term. And, you know, I, listening to Nick talk, I, I think, you know, if you, if you play it to its end, you, you, all you have to do is cross the pond and see what goes on in Britain. There was a, a situation I read about that kind of says it all. That there was a, a gentleman sitting on a bench, an older gentleman sitting on a bench, feeding the geese at a pond. And apparently he had a seizure. He was, a, he was an epileptic, and he had a seizure. And he fell forward and landed face first into the pond. Normally, what would you do? Grab him and grow, pull him out. Grab him and pull him out. No. They called the authorities. Mm. because and, and people were trying to get to his aid, and everyone was stopping them because the society is now ingrained and let the authorities handle it. They're like, no, no, no. And in Britain... A lot of that, if you step in and do that, it's a crime. So they were called off. By the time the authorities got there and set up their tent and put on their Tyvek suits, this guy was long, long gone. Rigor mortis had said it. He literally drowned in a duck pond mm-hmm. when he didn't have to because no one came to his aid because everyone thought, you know, like we talk about with the, uh, uh, what's the... Uh, the, the syndrome where uh, everybody thinks everybody else is going to do it. Stockholm syndrome? No. No, no. no oh, uh, you know what I'm talking about. What's her name? Um, oh, the one who was killed uh, yeah. in New York. Right. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, I know, now. it just escapes me now. It'll come to me. Right. Uh, you know, it's funny, but what happens now when people witness something, instead of helping, everybody videotapes it. Yes. Yes. You know, nobody, yes. nobody puts their phone in the back right. pocket and runs over right. and tries to help the choking kid or something. Yeah. We videotape yeah. the guy the b- falls off the platform in the subway and everybody's got their cell phones out, but yet no one goes to give him a hand to get him out of the... Yeah, I know. YouTube is filled with uh, videos like yes. that. Yeah. Yeah. Nick, you talk about... Uh, you say there are three provisions of the Constitution that guarantee the right, but more importantly, recognize the duty to keep and bear arms. Right. Okay. So, like I said before, Article 1, Section 8, Clause 15 says... To execute the laws of the Union, suppress insurrections, and repel invasions. That's in the hands of the militia. It specifically says that there. And Article uh, Section 16 goes on to say that uh, when called into the service of the uh, federal government, the Congress has to provide for organizing, arming, and disciplining the militia according to the uh, discipline that the Congress writes which was minor changes from what the regular militia had, but they wanted to make it more uniform. So instead of 16 to 60, it's 18 to 45 now. And uh, there's not much of a change as you read through the old statutes and and whatnot. 
leaving to the states and the officers of the militia the authority to train. Okay, then, uh, and I'll get back to that, but uh, Article 2, Section 2, Clause 1 gives the president the authority to call out the militia, in which case he'll be the commander-in-chief, that or the regular armed forces. All right, so what the framers did at this point was they placed an obligation for the militia to be in place. Militia is a state agency. All right, so the states had to, uh, they signed on to the Constitution, and they knew exactly what they were signing on to, and that was the fact that they had to provide the federal government with the manpower in the form of militia to perform these, uh, to uh, adhere to the duties uh, obligated to them to perform the functions in Article One, Section 8, and Article 2, Section 2. So... This is essentially the power that the people have over all forms of government. And what what this means is that if we ourselves are taking up this banner of sovereignty, we have to guarantee ourselves the rights that we want. You can't simply have a right without the responsibility and the obligation that goes along with protecting that right. You're absolutely right. Wow. For many people walking into a range the first time, it's quite intimidating. So when you walk in through the double doors, the first thing you'll see on your left is a concierge. When people walk in, they can take a tour of the range, or maybe they're coming in for an appointment with one of my instructors or me, and they'll be directed to the right classroom. It kind of softens the entire experience. It makes people feel more at home. As you walk further into the range, you're going to notice we have New Jersey's only indoor 50-yard range, which is heated and air-conditioned. The dividers at each port are bulletproof. They're extra wide ports so two people can stand side by side and shoot. There's lights in the ports so you're well lit. We also have three times as much light down range that the average range would have because I believe it's important that the targets are well lit. Our target retrieval system is all digital. You program how many feet you want to send it out and it stays there. Both of our ranges are tactically baffled which means when we run our higher level courses, you can move forward to the firing line and shoot in any direction and bullets can't escape. When you come out of the 50 yard range, to your left you'll see our large classroom and go back up to the concierge and make a right. We have two smaller classrooms and those classrooms are for small one-on-one -on -one classes, our Build-A-Bear, building an AR. As you enter through there, you'll see that we have a uh, portal with a key to go into our Platinum Lounge. They can sit around and watch TV on the leather uh, chairs or couches, and they can maybe work deals with their uh, clients. And you normally don't see a cafe in an indoor range. In New Jersey, we have this archaic law where you're only supposed to go from your house to the range, range to the house with no unnecessary deviations. I'm seeing a lot more families coming in now where they have multiple kids, and the wife will stay in the cafe with one or two kids, and they'll do a handoff. To me, it's very important that people are treated like family, so the bathrooms are very high-end. We use marble and corian and really nice tile and full-length dividers so that people are comfortable when they come in. When you exit the bathroom, you'll see the Gun For Hire radio studio where Sandy and I tape our show. After you pass that and you make a left, 
you'll notice our retail area. Over 120 firearms for rent. As you turn 180 degrees, you see the large sections of bulletproof glass. That's our 25-yard range. And inside our 25-yard range, we have 13 ports. Those ports are even wider than the 50-yard range. Both ranges have full-time range safety officers. In case you have any questions or concerns, they're there to help you. With the news, events, and political shenanigans impacting your freedom, you're listening to Gun For Hire Radio, the most listened to Second Amendment broadcast in the nation. We were just discussing that Nick's lack of profanity, how it offsets my uh, addition to profanity. Some housekeeping. <clears throat> Remember, follow me, Ants Rants, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube. Do not forget... The Cheeseman case is proceeding hot and heavy. GoFundMe.com forward slash restore dash carry dash NJ. Mark Cheeseman can use your help. $10, $5, $50, whatever it is, we can use it. Do not forget the Recall Murphy campaign is still going on. The website is HelpSaveNJ.com. A bunch of the ladies who volunteer for the Recall Murphy on Friday took a first steps uh, pistol class, ladies only pistol class. Nice. Uh, I had five of them here. They were a rocking crew. I had a really good time. Lourdes, thank you for your hospitality and being a good student. She only got two timeouts. <laughs> during the show. So that worked out really, really it's a well. record, I think. Yes. So, Nick, this is the last uh, segment. What else would you like to talk about? Because you talk deep and educational, and people should be listening to this and sharing it with their loved ones so they can understand how we've squandered. You know, we're no different than the, the Roman Empire, right? No. Right. Not, we're not following in that footprint. Right. I say all the time, people should read The Rise and Fall of the Roman Empire, and they'll see exactly where we are right now. Right. That's excellent And what's advice. to come. Yes. Yeah. yeah. History repeats. Yes, it does. All the time. Yep. <laughs> I, I want to read something from the New Jersey Constitution just to put... We uh, have a Constitution? Uh, yeah. There was a manifesto. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> <It is> now. <laughs> Go ahead, sir. Just to put a point on uh, how bad it is when, uh, when these attorneys bring in the Second Amendment because they have more to, uh, to look, much more to look at than just the Second Amendment. It's not the beginning and ending of things. Okay, Article... 11 section 3 clause 2 of the New Jersey the New Jersey Constitution today reads upon the taking effect of this constitution all officers of the militia shall retain their commissions okay so where is our militia today because the state constitution validates that it is a functioning body what yeah. happened to it a lot of the uh, a lot of what happened here was the uh, misapplication of the Dick Act from 1902, which said, okay, we, maybe you can have a National Guard if you want to name it that, but the National Guard is a actually uh, a body that comes under Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3 of the Constitution, which the states agreed, okay, you guys can keep uh, troops of war in time of peace because... You know what? You're screwing up on a militia. You don't have a militia. You're not following through on your ob obligation to keep it. How would we like to finish this up? We have to get people to understand that they've been led down a, a path to oblivion because 
you, you're all you're doing is listening to people who really haven't done the research on what's in, yeah. involved yeah. in the right to keep right in the duty to keep it and yeah. bear arms. I mean, the, the NRA came up with this idea of the individual right theory back in 1968. I think it was because they didn't they didn't know what to do when the uh, federal government passed the, the uh, gun control the, act. Yeah. They knew exactly what to do because they had helped with the 1934 federal right. gun laws. Right. right. And they they knew that they were leading people astray, mm -hmm. but I I hate to say this, you're a member of the NRA. I'm no longer a member of the NRA because I was throwing good money, at, uh, bad money at the good money, whatever the expression is. The, they're leading people down a path that they should not. They have to re-educate their their membership. We have to re-educate people in general. If they're not a member of the NRA or the GOA or any other, you know, Scott Box uh, and your group. PC. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they need to be involved, but they need to be educated at the core, at the, at the base of the tree. They need to know that the Second Amendment is not the beginning and the end of, at, end of this fight. They need to be given some information that's going to help them say, uh, you know what, maybe we need to go in a different direction. When I was introduced to the NRA, I asked the question, I said, what, what do these first 13 words mean in the Second Amendment? A well-regulated militia being necessary to security of free state. I was told it meant nothing. Well, <laughs> the founders told you that the militia was necessary to the security of free state. So it must mean something. Yeah. And it was and, the uh, Second uh, Amendment, right after freedom of speech and religion and expression, right? 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 I mean, so, yeah. so, so it wasn't the 87th of, Amendment. And, yeah. and the thing is, you're not going to find the word necessary anywhere else. In the Constitution, right, and you're not going to find anything that's in the Bill of Rights duplicated in the Constitution, except for the fact that they wanted in a militia, and they wanted the sword and sovereignty in the hands of the, of the people. people. Yes, right. Right. But, by the way, the sword and sovereignty is a book written by Dr. Edwin Fierro. Mm -hmm. I'm plugging his. That's if, fine. If, if you, uh, I'm going to read it. It's 2,300 pages and uh, over 4,000 footnotes on law and uh, uh, and history. But we, we need to get people and we need to sit them down and say, look, do you have an open mind? Are you willing to hear something? Because it's here. We have it for you. Stop listening and stop thinking for yourself. Yeah. It's already been done. This has been well thought out. Right. And it was it was written in a way that the decisions should endure from generation to generation to generation. Not something that had to be changed because it was rooted in they understood human behavior. They understood history. They understood what happens when power takes power. And and Human nature will never change. Yeah, exactly. The one thing that our founders were so disturbed about was the way that they had been treated by the uh, by the monarchy mm -hmm. and the parliament 
in in England. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They didn't want that for their right. for their children. And here we are again. Yeah. Yes. Here <laughs> exactly. we are again. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, as, as you said, Sandy, it, it it was there. They explained it. They debated it. Mm-hmm. They debated every uh, as the court said. They debated everything. There was nothing uselessly added in there. Right. They knew exactly what right. every word meant. Right. Right. We have to adhere to those words, and we have to follow them. We can't just go off willy-nilly listening to somebody like um, Sotomayor saying, you oh, know, we legislate from, yeah. from the bench. From the bench. Right. And we've got a, a legislature. Well, we've got a whole society now, but a government especially that, you know, based on the brevity and succinctness of the Constitution. Like you said, words mean things. And every single word there served a purpose. It was a powerful tool. It It meant what it meant. And there was no fluff added. And now you fast forward to today... And we have 45,000-page documents on how to turn the light switch on. Mm-hmm. You get. By the way, I'm one of the few people who's actually read the U.S. tax code. I don't know. I mean, it's, oh, it's, good God. It's, it's, it's taken me <laughs> years to do. But I, I did it with an intended purpose because somebody asked me to assist him. A, a well-known tax attorney asked me to assist him, uh, assist him on it. And uh, he gave me some documentation. The tax code in 1939 was 500 pages long. Just just a point. (laughs) There was one page that said, how to determine taxable income. Today, the tax code is, I don't know how many thousands of pages. And that one page is now 30 pages long without a change in the law. (laughs) Unbelievable. (laughs) And again, done on purpose. Yeah. Exactly. So, with with the intention of n- this never happening, the founders said, "We're going to put all right. the authority <laughs> right. in the hands of idiots. the people." Right. <laughs> we don't want Sotomayor right. or Pelosi or Cuomo or any of these people coming up and you know yelling and screaming at the people with some sort of authority. Somewhere down they, the line, there's going to be a washed up investment banker with really bad teeth who's going to want to change all this and we got to make it clear for this guy and they knew that yes exactly wow wow so what what what, what's our next step you you offer all of this insight what do you think pitchforks pipes (laughs) burning brands i'm ready well I tell you what I start. I started with. I sent a letter to the governor. I said, "Listen, this is the law, right?" You don't care about the law. Well, <laughs> n- none of them do. But uh, this this was my uh, game plan, and and I'd hoped. Uh, I said, "Listen, if we get a thousand people together, write a similar similar letter." See, that's my speech impediment. <laughs> uh, I have much worse. <laughs> the if we get a thousand people together to say, "Look, here's the law." It's on the books, Title 38, Section 1, colon 2, I think it is. Anybody who wants to apply for the militia can, can do so, even though you're, uh, you may not be re- required to do it. So I sent a letter saying, you know, here's our law. I'm a veteran. Give me a position in the militia. I'll go out. I'll train people, whatever you want. Yeah, I would do, too. I would absolutely do. All right. 
and by the way, this would be a great advantage mm-hmm. to people in your business. And I wanted to get, you know, if we get a, a thousand people to send them, but I don't know how many you can generate. A ten thousand. Okay, so if you could de- generate ten thousand letters, a uh, hundred thousand if they could just if they don't have to leave their computer. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And if it's the right coffee. Yeah. <laughs> but we got we got to have people who say once they say it, that's step one. So then we go to the courts and say, look, here's the law. It's right in our constitution. It's it's right in uh, Title the Thirty Eight of New Jersey Code. You're not following the law. You have to, you, the court, has to tell the government, hey, you wrote this law, you better adhere to it. And that's step one. All right, let's do it. All right. I'll draft the letters. Let's let's do it. I'm in. We have enough following. I'm in. Let's do it. All right, I'll draft a bunch of letters. I'll give them, you can put them on your website. And uh, people can just pick and choose what they want to use they can they'd like to send them off Nick you're going to be on the show again alone and you're going to be on the show with Jay Factor and we're going to follow up on this you're telling me I want to borrow that uh, before for the radio post but uh, is Nick coming on next week this is who Nick this Nick yes I don't know we got to review the schedule all right all right don't piss me off all right hurry up Time is cut. Tick, tick, tick. Let's go. Have a nice day. A ton of classes, instructor classes, pen knife, et cetera, et cetera. Show is going to be a little helter-skelter the next couple of weeks. I'm going to be in Charleston and then Anchorage, Alaska, and then Jupiter, Florida, and then Honolulu, Hawaii. I will be in Pearl Harbor for Pearl Harbor Day, bitches. How cool Uh, is that? Yes, I will be there. So uh, God bless America. God bless Nick over here. He's a survivor, and he's contributing. And God bless Santi, who I'm not taking with me to Pearl Harbor. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I kind of figured I'd try it anyway. Well, you've done it again. You've wasted yet another perfectly good hour listening to Gun for Hire Radio. Gun for Hire Radio is a Canadian community production. The music used in this broadcast is managed by Cosmo Music, New York, New York. On behalf of our show host, Master Trainer Anthony Calandro, and the rest of the crew here at Gun for Hire Radio, we do thank you so much for listening. Nick, uh, amazing. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, thank you blew you. me away. Absolutely. Totally. We definitely want you back again and again and again. We love you guys. See you next week.